Okay, so I had this brilliant idea for a cold open, and I was going to say, hey, since we're talking about wordplay today, why don't we do, like, some of our crossword on the air? And boy, that sounded great in my head. But I was I was looking at the Weekend Journal's crossword for this week, and it's a doozy. It's one of those ones where everything has seven letters, and they have some adjacent ones that touch... And this is one that we have to do in pencil. Laura, dear, I love you, but I'm not sure anyone wants to listen to this podcast while we work a crossword puzzle. I'm willing to give it a go, but maybe with a Monday puzzle? Maybe. Welcome to the Play Ed Podcast where we explore cultivating connections through play. Hello, and welcome to the Play Ed Podcast. I am your host, Laura. And I'm your other host, Chris. All right, thank you everyone for coming and joining us today. And before we get started, I wanted to give some exciting news. We are now available on Apple Podcasts as well as on Google uh, just search for Play Ed and you will find us there if you scroll usually. So speaking of that, if you are on Apple listening to us, please review us and give us a great rating. It does help us bump up the ranking so other people can find us more easily. And now that we have talked about that, I wanted to introduce our idea for today, which was wordplay. Wordplay. Boy, there's a lot of directions we could go with that. But why don't we keep it PG? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm drinking herbal tea here, so it's that kind of podcast. Sip herbal tea. Talk about wordplay. Do we have to wear, like, flannel pajamas, too? I don't think so. Okay, let's hope not. What I was actually thinking about is usually when we're doing uh, crossword puzzles, which is the first place I think of with wordplay, we are doing that over morning coffee. And we have talked about how our podcast is about play and about how it has its educational properties, but it's also about making not just mental connections, but personal connections. Building um, relationships through play. And for our family... Crossword puzzles are one of the ways that we get that connection. You know, date nights are not easy, um, especially when you have a lot of children. And when you are... And young children. Young We've children. got a lot of young children in the house. Um, and so being frugal and not wanting to inflict all of our children on babysitters... Uh, with too much regularity, um, we found other ways to establish connections. And so it started as our sort of weekday coffee date where we'd have our cup of coffee and work the Wall Street Journal crossword puzzle uh, while we were uh, getting ready for the day and we had a few minutes of quiet before the house got up to just reconnect with each other. And while that's how it started, at this point, the older kids now get in on helping us solve the crosswords, which is really cool to experience. Uh, just the other day, there was a clue, and neither Laura nor I knew the answer, but we knew that one of our sons would, and so we gave him the clue, and he immediately knew the answer and how to spell it correctly. So we figured we'd, we, we would run with that, and it turned out to be the right answer, which is always gratifying. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one of the things that I love about a crossword puzzle. It looks like a solitary activity, and it can be. And there's nothing wrong with a solitaire game. Um, I've wild many, many a time with either a deck of cards playing some variant of solitaire or working a crossword puzzle on my own. But I think that there's a lot more fun when you have that play with another person because what makes a good crossword puzzle enjoyable and a great opportunity to both make connections and frequently learn something new is the fact that a good crossword puzzle is going to draw from a whole bunch of different areas. Pop culture. History, politics. Geography. Foreign language. Um, lots of vocabulary from specialty things like um, scientific terms. and Abbreviations, acronyms. And then a lot of the better puzzles have additional puzzles built in. Uh, whether you're talking about the English phenomenon of the cryptic crossword, which Laura and I are particularly fond of, um, or even just um, you, you know a, a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal daily crossword, uh, or the Sunday crosswords, where you've got puzzles within the puzzle to solve. Um, those layers of complexity really shine when you've got multiple minds working at the puzzle collectively. Mm -hmm. And where I remember my favorite story, it's an actual story of how a crossword puzzle can be that opportunity to collaborate with someone, to spend time playing with words, with the shades of meaning that your that words have. And the fact that you can have a word and realize that it has multiple meanings. That even before you get into homophones of words that sound alike, and thus you can get some fun play out of, you know, talking about a hairbrush, but you're not talking about the thing that you use to brush your hair. You respell it, and now it's a, a, a brush to use on a long-eared mammal that hops about in the day. But there's... My favorite story about how this can just light up your mind and have fun was a Dorothy Sayers short story about Lord Peter Whimsey, and it's called The Fascinating Problem of Uncle Maleager's Will, and there's an actual crossword puzzle in the story. And a very, very... Challenging one. English cryptic it is, crossword. And the story itself is fun, but it's a story about a young woman who inherit has an inheritance the only problem is they can't find the will and her uncle who was something of a practical joker obsessed with crossword puzzles leaves clues that if played properly as a crossword puzzle will give them the directions on where the actual will is hidden so laura if we have listeners who want to hunt this story down just to get a taste of what we're talking about where can they find a copy of um, Uncle Maleager's Will, the That's, Dorothy Sayers? It's in a collection of Dorothy Sayers short stories about Lord Peter Whimsey called Lord Peter, the complete Lord Peter Whimsey stories. And I'll include a link on that in the show notes. Um, but what I loved about the story was that it brought to mind everything that I've had with that joy when you're playing with someone else with a crossword puzzle, and particularly when you're working a very tricky clue, 
and you're butting your head up against it and you have two or three letters already that you know have to be in and trying to think, what is the word? What is the word that fits in this place that has this shade of meaning that does what I wanted to do so that I can fill in another piece of the puzzle. And sometimes you can't have it, but you'll say something as you're talking through it to the other person. And then when you discover what the right word is to put in, there's this, this delight, this light bulb moment where you're just, you're, there's spontaneous laughter when you figure it out. Absolutely priceless. That laughter, those moments of connection, um, and and they've they've been a very important part in in how we've built and maintained um, our marriage over the years and the the vicissitudes that come with that and having having a large family as we do. I remember years ago um, we went down to visit some of my relatives in southeast Louisiana, and we only had a few kids at that time. But my relatives were very very baffled that we spent the whole time doing crosswords. Well, we didn't want to watch the political horror show on the news. We didn't really want to just sit around eating all the time. Um, and the kids were, you know, they needed to be tended to and supervised, but we could work the crossword while keeping an eye on the kids. And... It was coming out of that visit that I think we really started to take crosswords a little more seriously as a form of intentional play. Um, and and as time has gone on, as I said earlier, the, the, the children as they get older and they get better with vocabulary and spelling and they start to make the connections and all the references they are now joining in and so it's becoming not just a you and me working this and tell the kids to go away but the whole family is getting in on the game of working the crosswords and that's allowing us to solve the puzzles faster look at more complicated puzzles and then lead them through it i remember talking to a friend years ago who commented that if you really want to know a foreign language well if you want to Confirm for yourself that you know a foreign language well. Do crosswords in that language. If you understand another language well enough that you can decipher the clues, find the correct answers, and are conversant enough with their cultural and literary references and modes of thought, mm -hmm. you've got a really solid handle on that. And... One of the things that makes it challenging to do a crossword in a foreign language is that you've got all those idioms. You've got those strange ways of saying things that are peculiar that don't translate literally. Colloquialisms, slang. And every language has its own set of wordplay. It's jokes about things. I've, I'm particularly fond of some, some Latin ones where they make a joke about how the word for bitterness and the word for love are very, very close together. Yes. Or that apple and bad are the, are practically the same word, and thus why it's so common in to show the fruit of the tree of of the knowledge as an apple, because it sounds like the bad fruit to our ears. <laughs> And you can get good wordplay out of it, and that's the sort of thing crossword puzzles live on. And so when you've got to the point in another language where you can 
can think of those connections, those things that sound close, but not quite, that crossword puzzles love to play on. And just also to test the range of vocabulary. Um, that's where you, where you do know that you're, you're learning um, the language and really do know it well enough that you, you can trust yourself to speak it. So I'm sure we have some audience members who have never done a crossword puzzle before, who are perhaps intimidated by crosswords. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't start with, like, the New York Times Sunday crossword and knock it out right. I mean, I remember we bought a collection of New York Times Sunday crossword puzzles, and we'd, we'd been doing crossword puzzles pretty seriously for a couple of years by that point. We bought a collection of them, and I think we've managed to do three, and we haven't completed any of them. Yeah. The very first one they ran, I think, was in 1942. Mm-hmm. I, I can't figure out most of the references in that, and... It's very, very humbling that you can get good at certain types of crosswords, and then you come up against another one, and you're just like, "Wow, I'm 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 way out of my depth here." So, I think with the Sunday Times, that one, I think part of what makes that one so very challenging is that it is from an older time because those are some of the original ones they published, and a lot of times, if you're having things like clues referring to contemporary events. Well, what was contemporary and everyone knew in the 1940s, you might reliably have people remembering maybe in through the 50s, maybe into the 60s. But the chances that someone is going to remember that kind of minutia now, unless it's the kind of thing that's still going to make it into a history book as opposed to being considered a, a footnote, those things, those references are part of what make them hard. But there's also the fact that crossword puzzles and how they've played have changed over the years. So you're saying the rules have changed over time since the advent of the crossword puzzle? Yeah. Um, some of it comes down to different things, like the English crosswords have always tended towards the cryptic. And where... Can you explain what a cryptic puzzle is? Okay. So the standard American crossword puzzle, the one that most of us are familiar with, uh, whether we've done one in a, a, a simplified form or the more or the ones that typically show up in, in things like the Wall Street Journal. It's so, so by simplified, you mean the kind of crosswords that they hand out in school to make you review vocabulary? Yeah, yeah. Where, okay. where you've got lots of open spaces and only a few points where the words cross. Um, those kinds are very straightforward. Uh, the ones we got in school were usually typically either exactly the definition we had on the vocabulary list or... Simple things like an animal with stripes that looks like a horse. Zebra? Zebra. Okay. I'm tracking. And so that's a very simple one. Um, actually, I've got somewhere around here. Oh, well. I don't have it on me. But if you're looking at a, a normal... I think I left it in my other pants. <laughs> if you have a straightforward crossword puzzle... There might be some trick, some wordplay of, did you understand the right meaning of the word? Like, it says L-E-A-D. Is it being pronounced lead or lead? Because whatever meaning is going to tell you where it's aiming at for the definition. But it's generally a fairly strict definition word that means the same thing. A cryptic is different. Cryptics are frequently sentences, 
but the sentence isn't straightforward. It's got a puzzle in it. There's an anagram that you have to solve or you have some kind of double meaning where you have one, two words that sound alike. And they can be very, very challenging because you have to know things like words that sound alike, homophones, or you have to be good at anagrams where you've got a series of different letters and then you have to mentally rearrange them so that you take one set of words and realize that you can get a different set of words out of them. So if I'm going to summarize all this in a nutshell, it sounds like cryptics are a pretty advanced crossword form. Very. You've got to really like particular kinds of word play and be very sensitive to those. And it takes time to get up to it. I know we bought a collection of uh, cryptics from the New Yorker um, several, oh, over a decade ago now. Because um, I think our oldest was only around three or four when we bought it. And um, yeah, we've we've worked our way through most of those. But it's taken us the better part of a decade to do most of those puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we like about the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal um, has a daily crossword. And they start out very simple on Monday and they scale up in difficulty through the Friday. The Friday puzzle also has an additional puzzle that once you've solved all of the crossword clues correctly, there's still an extra puzzle to solve that they don't really give you any leads on. It's it's Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes we have to look at the solution on Monday. The Saturday crossword is what I really like because every Saturday you get two puzzles. You get a fairly large format um, standard style crossword and then you get a special one and they have four or five types that they rotate through. So if anyone is looking for a a relatively um, easy starting point, look at the Wall Street Journal Monday crossword, um, uh, available through wsj.com, which is the Wall Street Journal's website. Um, And then you can also buy, you can find um, crossword puzzles online. You can buy collections of crosswords that are rated for complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not positive. I need to look it up, but I believe for a while for people who played Scrabble, there was like a crossover. Like they put out a book of like, it was Scrabble rules, crossword puzzles, mm-hmm. um, which I don't, quite understand because I'm not a Scrabble player. Um, I've, I've tried and I really don't get the game. One of the things that's actually probably really helpful for those people who want to get into crossword puzzles and that has an additional help of being really good for people who are working on improving their spelling, since one of the great things about a crossword puzzle is that it reinforces proper spelling, um, but is a crossword puzzle dictionary. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know there are a lot of websites where you can look up the solutions, but that doesn't necessarily help you in solving the clues. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was when I was much younger, we'd go to visit my grandparents in California in the summer, 
And my grandfather loved crossword puzzles. That was part of what he did every day to keep his mind sharp. Anyways, he would do this puzzle every day, but he'd have lots of these books hanging around of crossword puzzles that he would work his way through and he kept one of those dictionaries on hand. And that's how I started discovering words like I'd never heard the word Ali before. It means... Can you spell that? A-L-E-E. Ali. Ali. Sheltered from the wind. It's a sailing term. And it shows up in crossword puzzles a lot because it is a very useful group of commonly used letters. And crossword puzzle dictionaries frequently have lists of words with definitions of words that commonly show up because they have those letters in combinations that are very useful for crosswords. So Laura, where would I find a crossword puzzle dictionary if I wanted one? And why don't we have one in our home? We could probably find one on Amazon. (laughs) And we don't have one because I hadn't thought to do so. And because I tend typically tend to Google things. How how are those Apple people going to feel about you Googling everything? I have no idea. Okay, well, you know, I'm sure they're monitoring us. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) But one of the things I was thinking about, other games that take off, you mentioned Scrabble. Scrabble is another bit of wordplay that plays off the crossword concept of, of words crossing each other. And that's a game that has become pretty popular with our kids because you have that, that challenge when you've got a set of letters. Can you make a word with these things? There's another one they play with. Um, the tiles look like they're ivory, but they're plastic. Bananagrams. Thank you. Yeah, the the, the, the little the little yellow sack that it comes in yeah. is supposed to be a banana. Yes. And you like rip the banana open, and out of all these letters spill out. Yeah. That's very macabre. <laughs> Not macabre. It's fruit. <laughs> well, well, but but that's like. I don't know, it's like in 2001 when when Dave goes into the monolith and he's like, my God, it's full of stars. It's like, what am I going to do? Stick my head in a banana and go, my God, it's full of letters? No, it's full of banana. I, I'm sorry, I'm not following. But anyway, we're, we're way off, off the field. Bananagrams, Scrabble, variants in some ways on the same crossword concept. I don't know, I don't play either of them. Yeah, so. they're, they're variants on that because it's about... Looking at a group of, you know, with with a crossword, you're looking at an empty field and a set of clues and a predetermined group of words and trying to figure out what are the words that will both fulfill the clue and fulfill and when crossed with the other clues, not interfere the right word. Whereas with Bananagrams or with Scrabble, it's the challenge with a random set of letters that you've been handed. Can you make a word at all? Oh, okay. Okay. And and so sometimes you have that dreaded thing where you end up with like a Q and a J and an X and no vowels and you and you get angry because you can't do anything. But most of the time you've got I take it putting the X and the J on the board as a word wouldn't work because even though it's a really cool jaguar, it's not a... Proper names in Scrabble do not count. Ah, uh, okay. I'm not even sure it's a proper name. It's a model number. but Mo- Model number. Definitely wouldn't count. Oh, okay. Well, there goes that idea. That's probably why I don't do well with Scrabble. But the, one of the other games that I thought of when I was talking about cryptics and anagrams is a game called Boggle. And that was... Oh, I played that as a kid! You did too? Yes! Oh, yes. I love that one. My neighbors across the street had it. And... That's a great game for having, you know, you get a limited set of letters mm-hmm. and you have a time limit. And the challenge on this one is how many words can you come up with from that set of letters? And it's 
you got a little box and you pop it and it the 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 let it's dice with letters printed on them and you'll so you'll get a random assortment of letters and then you start filling in and that's the idea of the anagram which is when you've got a set of letters how many different ways can you rearrange them and get real words right right i remember my um my stepdad and i played that when i was a kid growing up um mm-hmm. i don't even know whatever happened to our boggle set i don't know if we lost it in a move or mm-hmm. got rid of it or something cuz i remember when we were in suburban new orleans we played it a lot mm-hmm. and we played a lot of chess but i don't remember ever playing it once we got up to um philadelphia so yeah i'm not sure what happened to it i'll have to ask i'll have to ask my parents yeah those are some really fun games that you can pick up for... Uh, I've forgotten about Boggle. Boggle wow. is a great game. And what I love about all of them is that you've got word power. You've got building proper spelling and building vocabulary, uh, especially with the crossword puzzle. I'm forever learning new bits of trivia. So I'm very happy when there's trivia I already know and I can you know, snap in with, yes, I know that <laughs> Star Wars character to name. Um but there's also the, the case of... Rick Okasek. Rick Okasek, for some reason, is always a crossword answer. It's because of the K. I'm telling you, there are certain letter combinations that boggle... Oh! <laughs> they, are the, they are what leave crossword puzzle developers maddened trying to get the right words. So the certain ones just get used over and over again because they're convenient. Um, they bring the letters that you need. Yeah, but there's also things like learning um, oddball facts like a baby newt is an eft. That was in this morning's crossword puzzle. And Spell I, that for me. E-F-T. E-F-T is a baby newt. Yes. Like like salamander kind of newt, like little lizard thing? Yes. Okay. And Just want to make sure I'm understanding what you're talking yes. about. And not the sort of thing, unless you happen to study them, that you're going to know, but because it's a great little letter combination... Yeah, E, F, and T don't usually end up next to each other, certainly not as a complete word very often in English. But there it is, and so it'll show up in a crossword, and if you happen to play Scrabble or um, uh, Bananagrams, uh, feel free to use that. Yes, and that's what I love, is that you're learning new words, and then you have, when you're playing with other people, it's that fun of, can you figure out the puzzle? Can you figure out what was the the... The theme of the puzzle that that you have to work through, like this weekend's, everything was a phrase that if you imagine someone from Maine saying it would be a completely different phrase. Can you give me an example? One that I happened to love. House of Cods. Cods. So the clue was... House of Cards, but... If, you, if someone from Maine said House of Cards, it would come out House of Cods with that accent. But the clue was for some kind of seafood restaurant. House of Cods. A good name for a seafood restaurant. Ah, okay. And so finding out and that realizing that was the key to all of the anchor clues in that puzzle. When you have that moment, it's like, oh, oh, that's what we're doing. Then all of a sudden there's this moment where you get very excited with the other person. It's like, oh, that's what we're doing. And then starting to come up, how many other words can we have where that kind of thing happens? So I will make sure that we've got in our show notes the list of all of the games that we've talked about today. And I will also include a link to that story that is such a favorite of mine and that I think will delight everyone else if you get a chance to read it. 
We hope everyone has enjoyed today's discussion and what now we would like to hear from you. If you can go ahead and tell us what is your favorite game of wordplay, we'd love to have it and start some discussion. You can write to us at playedpod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Twitter at playedpod. We also have a Facebook page at playedpodcast. And please write to us, tell us your thoughts. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, thanks for listening. Y'all have a good one. Bye.